most wonderful show is Keeping up with the Joneses. AJ Jones. Yes, sir. Episode 269 Woo-hoo! of Keeping Up with the Joneses. Yes. A very warm welcome. If you're just joining us, my name's Alan. My name's AJ. And we usually start with a weekly catch-up. We do. Weekly catch-up? I'm not sure much happened this week. We went to work. You spoke. I spoke, and I don't remember the last time I spoke on a Sunday morning, but I, f- I haven't built up speaking stamina. Yes. And I, I probably had a speaking hangover most of Monday and Tuesday. And what I mean by that is, I think I was so excited <laughs> yeah. to come and speak. And I, I was so excited to share what I felt the Holy Spirit put on my heart. I was so excited to just, yeah, to be with people and, and teach. That I don't think I allocated any time or energy for after I spoke. Mm-hmm. And then I probably had adrenaline fatigue. Because I remember after second service, getting off the stage, you were emceeing. So yes. you were wrapping up. Yep. And as soon as my bum hit the seat while you were wrapping up, mm-hmm. it was like somebody unplugged me. And I was like, vroom. Yeah, and I and was like, I'm done. <laughs> I need to get out of here right this instant because yeah. I'm so frazzled and so drained. Yeah, and I I wasn't prepared for that, so I'm trying to be better at gauging my energy for this week. And it's funny because it's not like we don't speak a lot, but it's mostly on the school, and that's different. Like a it's totally different rhythm. It it is. I mean, by the end of Tuesday, you're exhausted, mm-hmm. and you've certainly spoken Spent. for more hours. But there's something about Sunday mornings. Well, there's also like on the school, there's a rhythm. Yeah, there's interruption. True. There's pause. There's, there's questions. There's existing dialogue. Existing relationship that's been growing and growing uh-huh. and growing. Yeah. Whereas on Sunday morning, it, especially I was teaching on money. And yeah. so a topic like that, you're already, you've got your work cut out for you. Yes. Because we'll people, discuss. everybody's going to come with their preconceived Everyone's ideas got and, something. Yep. And yep. I think part of the problem, I'm going to probably talk about this on Sunday when I speak, but Part of the problem, especially for me as a teacher, is I never like unresolved ideas. Yes. So, for example, with something as large and as potentially controversial as money, you can say something that's true, but there probably needs to be about 92 asterisks with what you're saying. Right. In this context, at this time, yes, I'm aware that this Bible verse says this, but this verse says this, and we've considered this context. Yes. And you don't have time to do that on a Sunday morning. So right. you leave a statement out, and sometimes I'll do that so that people will ponder it, or it's a... You know, it's a sledgehammer of a thought. Well, you did assign pondering homework. I did. I did yes. assign homework. Mm-hmm. We're kind of getting to our main topic. But <laughs> the reason I love assigning homework is I was actually, I, I was meeting with Jeff earlier this week and we were just, uh, sorry, earlier today. And I was talking to him about, I went to school to be a teacher. Yeah. And one of the things I learned is <laughs> kind of sad, but the methodology that most preachers in america use today is actually the least effective form of teaching oh so you know me standing at the front and speaking at people for 20 to 40 minutes is a really inefficient way of communicating yes and uh, and, and retention and stuff oh, like that is so lower bad for and retention all that yeah, yeah. And, and actually for transformation sure. so there's got to be better ways and there are better ways but they're very hard to do on mass yes but that's why i gave people homework to do because yeah. it, hopefully people will think about it, be engaged with it all week. and Yeah, and process it mm-hmm. and work it through. And, and have questions. And yeah, there's something beautiful about that. How are you not freezing to death? I'm wearing four layers, literally four, and I am so cold. And I am barefoot. Uh, I Well, I have skinny socks on. Yeah, but you, I don't know. I feel great Ugh. right now. 
Oh, it's so cold. As previously prophesied in a previous episode, you will hear AJ complain about the cold. <laughs> so sorry. I'm, I'm like, revising I'm like gripping, till about me. I'm gripping my hands under the table like, yep, my nose, I, I can't feel my nose anymore. <laughs> I taught, then was hungover Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. You, all the students taught this week. Well, I think hungover is a really bad way of putting it. Okay. Because people are not going to. The reason I say hungover is people go out and drink and have a great time, and then it comes at a cost the next two days. Yeah. I had a great time teaching, and then it came at a cost the next two days. Yeah, it's kind of the lag, like the it's, jet lag. Yeah, it's kinda, poor, yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah let, let's say teaching lag, where yeah. it's like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. And a part of that is just out of out of practice. Yeah. You know, if you're used to running, and then stop running, and then go for a run, you know, you don't have the same legs as when you did. Anyway, yeah. I think you get the point. I don't yeah, need any more analogies. Yeah. And but then, our students were teaching. Yeah, our students taught this week. And they, I didn't get to sit in this year. How did they do? They did a wonderful job. Very, All very, very impressive. Yeah. yeah, I heard great things from the staff too. Yeah. So well done, students, for teaching that. Yeah. The rest of the week's a blur, I'll be honest with you. And you're right, we're not like fully through the week. No, we're not. So We still have things to do. You painted <laughs> a room? Or yes, I started painting Abby's room. What was the look? Because I went, yeah. Yes. No, no, oh, I was, I'm pondering. It's, it's chalkboard paint. So she wants two of her walls done with chalkboard paint. We're trying to be a graffiti artist. Well, the thing is, she is an artist. She draws nonstop all the time, and mm-hmm. she's very, very good at it. And so it made sense to me when she was like, I want a chalkboard wall so that I can draw my characters that I make on it and, Clever. you know, make massive cartoons and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, yes, I, I, I get it. Mm-hmm. So the tricky bit with it is because it's chalkboard paint and you want it to be really smooth, you have to put it on with foam rollers because if you have a nap, then it's too, oh. um, like it's too bumpy. But that also means that it's taking like For four or five coats. Ever. Yeah. To layer it on there and have it smooth and have it with no nap. And it's and, also black and black is a hard color to paint with yes, anyway. Yeah. And Abby was like, can I do it? And I was like, oh, I mean, this stuff doesn't even go on great. And I love painting and have a lot of experience with it. And I'm like, wow, this isn't that much fun. So I was like, babe, uh, I think I'll paint it. Yeah. Yeah, we're good. So, but she'll get to draw on it. So that's about it. That's, that's it. About our week. That's our week. We have had tacos twice this week. That's all that really matters. Well, when you say tacos, what we're actually saying is fajitas. We're, we're not having ground beef tacos. That's what most people think of. I don't know. When does a taco become a fajita? Uh, when you're using steak or chicken instead of ground beef or ground meat. But what happens when I have carne asada tacos? That is not ground beef. Well, that's true. I don't know. Fajitas. Tacos They're fajitas because we pastor. have them with onions and peppers that are sauteed along with you it. You can have tacos with onions and peppers. No, that's when it becomes a fajita. We need somebody we, <laughs> with authority to speak on this. Because we'll I'm not sure a Canadian and a Edgar. Scotsman can lend much well, weight or credibility. Yes. We call all of them tacos, but we had, I think they're, those are fajitas. But yes. I kind of want to boast on the sous vide. So for those of you who don't know, a sous vide is... It's so wonderful. It's, I don't know, it's French for something. But basically a sous vide <laughs> is a giant... <laughs> 
stick that's got a heating element that plugs into an electrical outlet that yes. you stick in a cup of water, which sounds terrible, not a cup, not a, a cup, bowl a of bucket. water. And yeah. then you vacuum seal whatever you're going to cook mm-hmm. and you put it in and it typically cooks at a very low temperature for a long time. Yes. And it comes out fully cooked but looks disgusting because it hasn't been seared. It usually so looks no grey, some version of grey. But if you're patient... And you just sear it. Oh. If you're patient, it's probably the best chicken I've ever had, the best salmon I've ever had. Best, best steak, steak I've ever had. Yeah, so good. Oh, you just have to think ahead because it it needs to yeah. be in the sous vide for a couple so hours. So this flank steak, which would normally take about eight minutes on the grill, four minutes a side, or six minutes one side, two minutes on the other, mm-hmm. took two and a half hours to cook, albeit from frozen. Yes, see. and we're defrosting a brisket right now. Defrosting a brisket that's going to go in for fifty hours. <laughs> I'm so excited about that. And then you finish it on the grill, but the the oh, just the. The texture of the meat is unbelievable. It really is. We love meat, in case you haven't figured that out. And then you found me some great pimento cheese. I did. Which I had on my tacos. And it is good? Fajitas. You do oh, like it? Oh, it's really good. Oh, good. Yeah, it's excellent. So I had good. it for breakfast this morning. I know. AJ. I, <laughs> I'm sitting on the couch, and I see Alan walk by with a spoon. And, a, and a, it's a from tub. Costco. It's basically a bucket of pimento cheese. And I was like, I'm sorry. Hang on a second. <laughs> Are you just going to eat that with a spoon? And he goes, no, I have crackers. But of course, there's no crackers in his hand or anything. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. What's that? 8.30 in the morning, I'm smearing. I'm on my keyboard eating crackers and pimento cheese. Yeah. It's not a bad way I'm, to start uh, the day, let me tell you. I'm just not a pimento cheese fan. Well, that's probably your only flaw, if I'm honest. Okay. Well, I have to have one. Otherwise, you know, I'm just... All right. Take me home, baby. We're talking about our main topic. You're taking me home. I... I took you home last week. <laughs> I wish that was a euphemism for something. <laughs> well, I did take you home last week. Um, but uh, I I came up with the topic and everything last week. Am I blushing? Week. I can't and tell if I'm blushing. A little bit. <laughs> and now it's your turn. This is this is your uh, show. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll, I'll be honest with you, everybody. Yeah. I know it's been a week where we haven't said we've done much, but it's also been a very busy week. There's it's been a lot of been stuff. It's been super coming. busy, yeah. And I'm I don't think I'm being lazy. I'm kinda of being lazy. I remember being a school teacher and I remember the person who taught me how to teach Dr. Tom Conlon. Uh, he came and reviewed me. He was my reviewer mm. as I was being certified to teach. And I think he reviewed me three times and he took me aside and said, Alan, you did a great job. I've now watched you teach three times, you've done a great job. Here's my worry. What you're doing is unsustainable. And I said, what, what do you mean? He said, the, the level of teaching that you're doing is unsustainable for life. Sometimes the kids need fish and chips as well as uh, champagne and caviar. Yeah. And what I'm trying to say is tonight is not going to be a champagne and caviar. That's okay, because <laughs> I episode. don't like either champagne or caviar, really. I'm not a huge fan of champagne. Caviar? I don't think I've ever had caviar. I have. It's okay. Isn't but caviar I'm, just like I'm roll like... that they put on top of the no, sushi? No. No. I mean, I suppose that could be in the same category. No, it doesn't taste Try like... with some pimento cheese. It'll, it'll oh, probably gosh. be perfect. Oh, My oh. point in is, like, normally we like to come and we think about what we're going to talk about. And I was just like, babe, I, this, my week is just jam-packed. Mm. I think what I'd like to do is unpack a little bit about what I was talking about on Sunday. Mm. Part of that is maybe laziness, but part of it, it's like it's a readily available, it's fish and chips. Yeah. And I'm going to get you to do all the work because I'm just going to ask you some questions. Plus, I've got some great listeners' questions all about um, Finding Father. So we'll get to those in okay. a second. Okay. So ready. I started a four-week series all about money. And blessing. And blessing. Yeah. And, you know, what do we do with that? And on Sunday last week, I was introducing 
the concept of blessing and really identifying our relationship with money. David Wagner is a dear friend, been on the podcast many times. Kim prophesied at our church, and he gave us that verse, Psalm 61, verse 11, I want to say. It says, uh, you crown the year with your bounty, and your carts are overflowing with abundance. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it says. Let me just kind of quickly look it up, because I don't want to... Oh, okay, look, so Psalm... What is it? Psalm 65, verse 11. You crown the year with your bounty, and your carts overflow with abundance. Okay. I don't think David knew at the time was... Over the Christmas break, we got a text. We're you know we're part of the senior team of Grace Center, and uh, Jeff texted us to say, "Guys, brace yourself." I think for the first time in Grace Center's history, we received offerings in December that totaled one million dollars in one month. Mm-hmm. Now, our average offerings are like fifty thousand a month. No, they're fifty thousand a week. Yes, woo, <laughs> fifty thousand a week. Yeah, right. So yeah. we've never, to my knowledge, had a million dollars. Yeah. So I was like, okay, that's significant. And we'd also received a prophetic word a couple of months earlier mm-hmm. from Bishop Joseph Garlington's wife, Barbara, mm-hmm. gave Grace Center a prophetic word about four things exploding. One of them was finances and resources. Yes. So we're like, okay, Lord, we're beginning to see stuff happen. Stuff happen. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for us? And how are we prepared for that? Yeah. And how do we partner with you? Right. Right. And that brings up this tricky thing about Christians and money. Yes. I remember before I ever moved to America, reading an interview with Martin Smith from Delirious yeah. in a Christian magazine back in Scotland. And he was talking about money, and he made a very, very interesting observation, which I didn't know enough then to know if I agree with him, hmm. but now I do, and I would agree with him. He said, uh, because you know, obviously he did ministry in both Britain and America. Yeah. He said the general sense in Great Britain is that if you're a Christian and you have money, your character's pretty shady. It's, it's You've done question. something wrong. <laughs> yeah. And it's a mark of probably a lack of holiness, certainly unscrupulousness. Mm-hmm. But in America, to have money, it's a mark of blessing. Yes. And I was like, wow, that's, that's, that's so interesting. So interesting. Isn't it? Yeah. And this week, you know, so as well as putting out questions to our congregation, I went on social media and I wanted to hear from our people, like, what comes up when you start thinking about this? And I actually wrote something down. I I asked for permission to share. I'm going to keep it all anonymous, but I'm not sure I ask everybody that I'm sharing. So I'm extra keeping it anonymous. Okay. If you can do such a thing. Extra anonymous. Extra anonymous. Okay. But people said to me things like, so I asked about some of your pre-understanding. So your Mm -hmm. pre-understanding is something you don't know that you know, or you probably are you aware that, that you, you think. know. You don't know that you think, and so when you read Scripture, you color what Scripture's saying through that lens of your pre-understanding. Yes. So, for example, if you have a pre-understanding that women should not be in ministry, you pay really close attention to the verses that seem to support that lens and easily gloss over the verses that would seem to contradict those verses. Right. And so I was asking, like, what are some of the pre-understandings you have about money? And so some people you know, wrote to me, reached out to me on social media, And one of the things they said, it's really hard for me to reconcile large amounts of savings and being a Christian once you've met your immediate needs. So it's kind of like, I can see, I could probably believe for God to meet my needs, but beyond that seems, I I wrestle with that. What does that mean? Uh, They also said, I uh, have difficulty reconciling surrendering to God, Mm. but also having an emergency savings fund. Yeah. I can recognize that they're yeah. probably friends, but uh, I just struggle with, am I actually trusting God or am I just depending on myself? And I was like, I love hearing 
like unearthing these kind of latent struggles that are probably there, but we probably, certainly speaking from my history, we don't spend much time in that area because it feels like we're on kind of shaky ground. Mm. How about this one? I struggle with the concept of blessing. Growing up in a religious family kind of distorted my view of what it means to be blessed. I was taught blessing in kind of a hyper-spiritual sense that was completely disconnected from money or health or relational wholeness. I guess the idea was that blessed meant you weren't going to hell, and that should be enough for you. And to be sure, not going to hell is absolutely a blessing. A blessing. <laughs> yes. right? Or how about this? I do think, this is somebody else, I do think I have some kind of deeply held belief that money is evil and dangerous. It's possibly why I tend to give away or spend it as fast as possible instead of saving it. Wow. So I thought it would be interesting to explore yeah. our history with money mm -hmm. and then maybe ask our listeners what it, you know, what's coming up for them as they listen. So you and I grew up in very different backgrounds. Yes. My the difficulties, whatever you grew up with, is normal. So probably yeah. your normal was... Yeah, I thought we lived in a normal neighborhood. You thought you lived in a normal neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I grew up in what I thought was a normal Scottish neighborhood. You know, mom, dad. Yeah. Three sisters? Yes. I've yes. You three still sisters. have three. Yep. Yeah. My dad worked. My mom did not work. Mm -hmm. I didn't think we were poor, mm -hmm. but I knew we weren't rich. Yes. And instantly we're in trouble. Because how do you define poor? And how do you define rich? Right. Because I knew people who were richer than me. Sure. And I knew people who were poorer than me. Yeah. But we were neither one of them. Yeah. But my family certainly didn't do abundance. For example. Yeah. This true story, family story that we'd all laugh about is we're in Switzerland, which sounds glamorous, but my father speaking at a conference and mm -hmm. getting to Switzerland on a budget is not glamorous at all. <laughs> we're, we're in a... We're in a rented Fiat Uno driving through the Swiss Alps. <laughs> and we get to Chamonix. And all, it, all six of you. <laughs> yeah. And there's Mont Blanc. And we take the cable car up and mm -hmm. we get to the top. And it, it's, of course, it's the tallest mountain in Europe. We're freezing the snow everywhere. And my mum sees a cafe. And so my mum goes up and she asks for five hot chocolates. Right. And then she realizes the price of them. And she says, one hot chocolate, five straws. <laughs> True story. True story. Now, in one sense, like what I was raised with, that's commendable. That's being a good steward. And also, I understand what it's like. I've like we've got a family yeah, of five. Yeah. It's expensive. It's expensive. Sure. So I get that too. Yeah. But my mom would also bring snacks on the road, which again I understand. But she would bring fun size. And it wasn't that we'd each get like a fun size Mars bar. We would get one fun size Mars bar split and share. <laughs> Like, but I that's do what I grew up with normal. going places with your mom when they would give you like free biscuits on the table or whatever. And if she really liked the biscuits, she would wrap it up in a napkin so that my she whole could life. save them late for later. My whole life. When we would go to. Yeah. And she would eat them later. Yeah. When we'd be in hotels yeah. and there's a buffet, my mom would coach us <laughs> to take stuff and wrap up in a napkin and put it in her handbag for later. <laughs> now. <laughs> <laughs> depending on your viewpoint that's really like frugal and responsible right. or it's an absolute poverty mentality <laughs> oh. but then also growing up like i'm trying to think about what my mom grew up with like her dad was in the mines at age 14 sure. and her mom was a nurse yeah and i yeah so like already you can feel me tensing like trying to justify my yes. mother's behavior normalize my childhood yeah but also recognize like that's such 
strange behavior for how yeah. we live now. So th- it gives you an idea of what I grew up with. Yeah. Like that was kind of our, that was our outlook. What did, you grew up with some, a completely different family environment. Describe yeah. your family from a, a relationship with money. A financial perspective. Yes. I, I mean, I don't ever remember thinking that we were wealthy. And yet? And yet we were wealthy. I mean, we lived in a really wealthy neighborhood. How do you describe uh, your neighborhood in your testimony? Uh, oh, well, people would drive through our neighborhood on Sundays and look at the houses. Which is things. so funny because we've been those people that have gone and driven through nice neighborhoods to look yeah, at houses. Yeah. But that's what people would do. Yeah, Your neighborhood stop and was look the neighborhood. at our houses. And, yeah. yep. um, and it, you know, it probably didn't have the absolute biggest houses in, you know, yes, in the Toronto area. But, but we were, you know, they were large. Um, how many square feet? Oh, it, our house was 8,600 square feet. Right. So, um, that's a big house. That's a big house. But because most of the houses around us were, Equally, you know, large yeah. houses, uh, and so going to your friend's house, their house was large, you know. So it was normal um, for you. Yeah. I thought we lived in a normal neighborhood. I obviously don't remember ever worrying about money. But you had a governess and a maid growing up. Well, they, I mean, when we had a governess, the governess really did the mating as well, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that but doesn't But then when we stopped out. having a governess, we, for a while, had, uh, yeah, a maid that came in. Yeah, and, and you had a pool growing up? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't remember, like, I obviously was never afraid we weren't going to... Yeah, and your father was a prominent architect in, in Toronto. He's yeah. well known. Yeah. Like, when we go to Toronto today, we can identify the buildings yeah. that he built, the skyscrapers he built. But I remember my mom saying there were seasons where... Uh, you know, she had a teacher's salary where their teacher's salary was actually what was buying us food and things like that because, you know, architects work on contract and mm-hmm. so sometimes there's a few months in between. And my dad had 26 draftsmen that worked for him. So he had a pretty big, you know. Anyway, yeah, I mean, I don't ever remember even having to think about mm-hmm. money. We certainly didn't share uh, hot chocolates with or straws or anything like that. But then, you know, yeah, I don't remember. Other than at Christmas, my parents would obviously spend a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I don't remember there being excessive amounts of things around either. Does that you, make sense? Yes. But you also grew up in a not a Christian environment. No. So I'm curious about you get saved. Yes. Like, I don't ever remember ever, to try and know if that's true, I don't think I ever remember any messages on money. I'm... I don't remember a message on money. I rem- I don't even remember them teaching me on tithing growing mm-hmm. up. Hmm. I remember by osmosis somehow learning about tithing. Maybe my parents taught me about tithing, but I don't. I don't ever remember money being addressed as a matter worthy of teaching. I mean, I'm I'm adding a value statement to that. Yeah. I just don't recall ever being heard having teaching on Toronto. Uh, teaching on Toronto. Teaching on money until I got to Toronto. Yes, I didn't either. So, but I but, I, arrived... mean, I didn't get saved until I was 15. Okay. And I probably didn't hear anybody even talk about, yeah, money or tithing or anything like that until I started going to TACF. So, years later. So, what did, what so now you're saved, now you're working. What was the general vibe around money? I knew because my cousin told me, you know, being a good Baptist, hey, you give 10%. Oh, right. So automatically you knew that. I knew that. Uh, but I also, most of the time, my job was serving. And I remember 
asking a couple different people. So like 10% of my paycheck or 10% of my tips. And they're like, well, it's hard to track your tips, just your paycheck. So I just gave 10% of my paycheck uh, wow. for ages. And then it wasn't actually until, you know, I switched to TACF and somebody had said, actually, your your tips are your biggest income. You should yeah. be, you know, giving 10% of that. And so I was like, all right. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, okay, start doing that then, you know, which was amazing because I realized I started getting better tips. Yeah, I don't ever remember it. Money wasn't a big thing one way or another. It didn't, there wow. was no evil attached to it. There was no awe attached to it. It was just something that you used to pay bills and mm-hmm. you worked hard to get so that you could pay your bills. Do you remember where you, where you learn about a healthy relationship with money spiritually? So like you're talking about like just growing up, it was like neither good nor bad. But I'm curious about when did you start being introduced to money and blessing and like a redemptive side of that i'll just go back a second my dad was good with money Mm -hmm. and he he always said to me don't ever have credit cards Mm -hmm. don't go into debt pay everything cash Mm -hmm. you know if you don't have the cash to buy it then you can't buy it yeah you know like but he'd also tell you that about a restaurant. If you don't have money for a tip, you don't have money for the well, meal. Well, no, he would say if you don't have money to spend twenty percent on a tip, then you don't, you shouldn't be eating in that restaurant. Right? Because he said if you have good service, twenty percent says I had good service, and so he's like, y- you go in and if you know what how much money you have, and you decide I'm going to order that. If you don't have enough to tip twenty percent, then don't order that. Okay, so you so, at least got some coaching. Yes. Right. Yeah. And then do you so like? Now, fast forward. Yeah. Do you remember how it was you started learning about money? I think just through like different offering talks at church, you know, different people saying different things about about money. And That was the most radical thing I noticed about Toronto. Yeah. When I got to Toronto, yeah. there was a lot to pay attention to. Yeah. Like one, every single service people got saved yeah. and healed. Yeah. Like I don't remember a service I went to when somebody didn't respond to an altar call and get saved. Mm-hmm. And somebody didn't get healed. Like there would always be it an was altar normal, call. Yeah. And there would always be mm-hmm. ministry time for healing. Mm. And also there would always be an offering talk. And by an offering talk, I mean like a ten minute sermonette, a vignette on Well, I wouldn't say they were always ten minutes. Sometimes they were more like five, but but yeah, I mean I that's well, uh, where m- I maybe started. going from nothing where it wasn't mentioned. Right. Like in the church I grew up in, mm-hmm. there was no active offering. There was a plate that when you would walk in, you would put something there. Oh. That was it. Oh. There was no offering time. Oh. I'm pretty sure when I was, uh, you know, because I, I was with those lovely Baptists for four years, they they passed a, a thing along and usually somebody would say something. But I didn't usually, it usually was sort of, I, I don't want to sound judgmental, it was sort of like more felt very religious-y, which usually turned me off of listening. Mm-hmm. So I remember that it would go by and I would stick whatever I had in it. But I mean, to begin with, I was sort of like, why are they passing, why are they passing this play? And because they didn't really explain it, it was, you know, Jana that explained to me how, mm. what was going on. But So for you, it was the cultural norm of being in TACF yeah. and hearing Just an Just regular talk. little, yeah, little teachings, little encouragements and testimonies. Hearing people's testimonies of, I started tithing, and this is what's shifted for me. One of the most standout moments on that matter was, I remember, shortly before we moved from Toronto to here, Mm. 
was Steve Long stood up at the start of one year and just said, I've got this approved by the board. We're going to give you a money back guarantee that tithing works. So here's yeah. what it's going to do. We're going to ask you to commit to tithing. The, the full thing, 10% of your gross salary. Mm-hmm. And if by July, in those six months, you haven't seen a return on what you've invested, we'll give all of your money back. And I was like, I mean, Steve is known for being like, you yes. know, like just out there Who's on the, the sickest edge, person in yes. the room? Let's heal you, and then yes. everybody else should be yes. easy. I love it. He's or yeah, like turns, well, okay, now we'll do deliverance, break into pairs, and cast yeah. demons out of each other. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, like that is amazing. Do you remember some of your first financial miracles? I mean, I remember the big one when we were pregnant mm-hmm. with Abby. No, we just we'd had Abby, hadn't we? Mm-hmm. And uh, we had because we were traveling full time and all of our income came in that way. Mm And uh, I already had debt before we even got married from traveling and ministering and all that kind of stuff. And so we couldn't work, like we couldn't travel for about five months. Mm -hmm. And so we built up quite a lot. Yeah. Considerable amount of debt. debt. And and people were calling, like credit card companies were calling. It was super stressful. It was horrible. And I think, like, first of all, I want to take full responsibility. Like, we want to take full we responsibility made bad decisions for the level that, of debt yeah. we're in. But mm-hmm. also looking back, I realize this is not a blaming statement at all. Let me give you the contrast. When we moved here and did Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, yeah. I remember thinking, "Oh, where was this? Yeah, I didn't know any of this. I didn't know any yeah. of this. Yeah. So I think we were living the way we thought. And part of the problem is in a lot of Christian circles, when it comes to money, faith is spelled V-I-S-A. Yeah. So probably we were making a lot of decisions that we thought were faith that were actually just reckless. Yes. And putting on a Visa oh, I card. I think so. I think we were just like, okay, God, we trust you. And then we put it on a Visa card. Right. Which I don't think know. was trust at all. Yeah. And the, the problem with debt is it's really innocent. Like you can carry a lot of debt for a really minimum monthly payment. Mm. Right. So you can be thousands of dollars in debt and your minimum payment is, I don't know, like a couple hundred bucks. I don't know. We haven't right. had credit card statements in a while. Yeah. So what's crazy about that is you can live without any of the pain of the debt you've accrued right? until you can't make your minimum payments. right? And then you're like, holy mother of pearl. And we were in debt tens of thousands of dollars. So so much money. And I'm feeling like an abject failure as a man, yeah. as a husband, yeah. and as a father. yeah. And I remember one day I stopped and I calculated... Because all we could pay was our minimum. Yeah. And there were some times when we couldn't even pay our minimum. Yeah. And I remember calculating like how long it would take us to pay off our debt if we just made minimum payments. And it was something like 22 years. Oh my God. And I remember just being so heartbroken mm. and sad that I'd got, our, I'd got us, we'd got ourselves into this situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do in that situation? Yeah. I mean, we we were so far in debt. There was like... There is no, it felt like there was no hope of us getting out of it. Mm-hmm. And then um, we just, some friends of ours emailed us well, and that said. Point we, we barely knew. Yes, we, that's true. We, we, uh, they were more acquaintances. Mm-hmm. We, we were getting to know them. Mm-hmm. The sequence was Mark DuPont gave us a prophetic word. Okay. Do you remember this? No. Where he talked about Elijah or Elisha. Remember the woman who says, uh, that prophet comes and stays with us. We want to do something nice for him. We want to build a house for him. Yes. When he comes and stays. Yeah. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And so Mark gave us a prophetic word that said, you're about to be connected with people of means. Mm. And there's going to be an opportunity where they're going to ask you, what can we do for you? 
They're, they're going to be their prayer, their posture is going to be, "What can we do for them?" And the Lord wants you to know that's Him, but not to take advantage of them. Yes. So don't live with He called it faith without hints is dead. Right. Where you hint at things, if they ask you, be direct. Yes. Because it's the Lord. Yeah. And so in that season of our life, we went from knowing no no millionaires. Yes. To that we were aware of at least. Yes. To I don't know. 10, 12 millionaires in one year. Yeah, I thought it was eight. But anyway, it's, it's a, it was high. It was a, it was a yeah, yeah, lot yeah. of millionaires. Yeah. And maybe yeah. I'm lumping in like 10, 12 over a series of years. But within one year, yeah, we met so many. And these people were acquaintances that we didn't really know. Yeah. And they they just asked, what can we do to help? And I remember that word. And it, I don't remember going, can you pay all of our debt, please? But I remember just being vulnerable and saying, hey, you clearly know about money. Here's the situation in, this is the best I can come up with math-wise. Is there a smarter way of doing it? I, like, I think we just kind of laid bare naked and financially and just mm. said, this is the situation we're in. Mm. And they never answered us. Yeah. And instead sent us a check that was, I think, for $76,000? Seventy. Yeah, well, maybe it was 72. It was somewhere in there. Anyway, it's over 70. And I was just like, who? in the right mind like here's me thinking i can't write a check that isn't going to bounce that's like that's more <laughs> than 200 dollars. 76 yeah. how like yeah. how is this even yeah but how is this even possible so yeah. they, I, well, you know we were dumbfounded we were just we didn't even know what to do i mean arguably that would be one of the standout moments mm-hmm. in terms of financial miracles mm-hmm. and that's when i called them to say i was too scared to cash it like are you on is this, drugs is this for real is this for real you yeah. know and then i have this huge shame hangover of yeah. like oh do you, you know yeah. did you feel manipulated into it and so i, I call him and say like how on earth do you write a check for seventy six thousand dollars and he said well it's really funny because we were in the same situation as you were and i was like what do you mean he was like we just got notified we got an unexpected tax bill for i think it was like quarter of a million dollars that they they had to pay. And it was on some, I don't know, some unrealized, you know, tax gain or something like that. Anyway, the IRS had written to them and said, hey, you owe us $250,000. And they were like, you know, we didn't have $250,000 liquid at the moment. We could, of course, get it. We could liquidate some assets or sell some shares. But also, we didn't think that was right. But we were like, they want that money. They want us to pay it. That is going to be a major inconvenience. Like, slightly different. Like they mm-hmm. could pay it. We, we could. Right, right, right. Uh, but they were in distress. And so they went to the Lord and they just prayed and said, Lord, this seems, you know, unjust. I don't know what to do about it. Like, would you please help us? Would you please resolve this? And so, the, I don't know, their CFO or their, you know, their accountant reviewed everything, petitioned the IRS, they reviewed the case, and what happened was they didn't owe $250,000, they were given a rebate of something like $76,000. Yeah. yeah. And they just were like, Lord, you did it! Like, you thank you so yeah. You're so good! You know, what should we do? And he said, on the day that we were praying, we got your letter, and I think that the amounts matched, something like that. I don't yeah. want to make it too romantic, yeah. but it was something like that, and they were like, oh, we know exactly what to do. Yeah. And they were like... And so they just sent it to us. Yeah. What do you remember what that did to you when you got that? I remember I was in the bath and I remember I just started bawling because we were literally, literally uh, like avoiding phone calls mm-hmm. all the time. And I also remember that having like this moment, and this is like awful, but this moment of like, this pays off all our debt. But if we tithe on it, oh yeah, then it doesn't. doesn't pay off our debt 
And that means we still have a remainder of debt. And uh, if I remember correctly, this was all happening around August. And so, you know, the temptation is like, no, but they gave us this and it's the perfect amount for the debt. And, you know, then we could be debt free and God wants us to be debt free and, you know, whatever. But we, we were like, okay. So we, t- anyway, we tithed on it, but then the Lord also challenged us to give mm-hmm. on top of that, which you're way better at that than I was. I don't know if I'm way better. I baby. was like inside. I was like, you know. but, but let me pause so everybody yeah. catches up. Yeah, yeah. So you're saying we've been praying for a miracle. Yeah. To be honest, I had no faith for a miracle. Yeah. Like I remember Isabel Allen prophesying over us. You're right. It would have been about August because yeah. she I, said by the end of the year you'll be out of you'll be yeah. debt free. And I remember thinking, no way. I love you, but you just totally missed it. There's there's no way. Well, and we we also nobody knew how much debt we were in. No. Yeah. So part we of shame. Right. Right. So we were just so like, we get this. We're like yay! And then at the back of my head, like you're saying, yeah. you're like. Do we, do we tithe on this? We no, tithe. we don't tithe on this because God gave us it and, and we shouldn't have to tithe. Mm-hmm. I mean, consider the lunacy of that. Mm-hmm. God's just provided mm-hmm. 76,000 and we don't want to give away 7,600 right. because then that will be less. Right. So there's that. But then we make peace with it. But we make peace with that. And, and then, then the like, Lord's like, actually, love you to give. I'd love you to give to others who are to, in the same to situation. To others as that you. need, you know, blessing. And that was another 10%. And we were like, oh. So. <laughs> Oh, I remember like, that being horrible. Okay, and anyway, so we we did that, and I remember it's it's December. It's you know the year's almost done. We're still carrying I forget like sixteen grand worth of debt mm-hmm. uh, on credit cards, and of course that's better than seventy six, but it was like mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. And wake up one morning, and we have an email from another friend, different people mm-hmm. that say. I had a dream about you last night and the Lord said to send you a check for $20,000. So, uh, how do we, how do we send you $20,000? And we were like, what? And we realized if we tithe and give on $20,000, there's $16,000 left, which wiped out our debt. Mm -hmm. So by the end of the year, we were, uh, debt free and we'd been able to give, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, tie then give. So I'm just thinking as you're talking. Yeah, I remember all that and just yeah. the, the 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 deep sorrow of where we were. Yeah, the utter satisfaction, gratitude, mind blown of what God mind had done. blown. And I remember at that point, like when you go through something like that. Like, uh, we haven't even talked about tithing, but you can probably guess we're pro-tithers. Yes. Right? But the debate of whether you do tithe or you don't tithe can be settled intellectually. But it is reinforced in experience. Yes. Like you have you have a testimony like that, you 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 can't talk me out of tithing and giving. Yeah. And yet yeah. Um, the irony, like you when you say, Oh, you're really good at that, is that thing of mammon, I believe, will be tested for the rest of our lives yeah. where God does something and we're like, Oh, I have mm-hmm. to tithe. Yeah. And yeah. you know, we'll we'll probably talk about tithing in, in subsequent weeks and future weeks, um, about that. But yeah, that was that was bananas and and bonkers. Yeah. I was thinking, I thought of another story because you thought, have you thought, you know, mm-hmm. it always takes me a minute to come up with stories. But I remember in my first year of uh, being in full-time ministry. Just before we ever met. Before we ever met. Yeah. And I was living in this little cottage in the woods that had, you had to buy propane 
heat mm-hmm. or you had no heat. Like there was like propane cans, like for barbecue. I had a big propane tank. And they would th- come and fill th- it up. That sat outside the front door. <laughs> that seems healthy. And yeah, safe. really safe. And so then there was this heater that would go click, 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 you know, and, and yeah. heat the, uh, heat the cottage. I should say heat the cottage in quotation marks. The, the heat amount of heat was questionable, but that's how you didn't freeze to death mm-hmm. in said cottage. Anyway, it was winter and I had come back from a ministry trip where they just really hadn't, this church hadn't been able to essentially give me anything for having been there or was less than what you you needed. It didn't cover the flights or anything. And, And so I came home realizing I have no propane heat and I live in Canada in the, in the winter, have no food. You're exaggerating. You had half a lemon. I had a half lemon and a I had a sachet of uh, ketchup in the fridge. Then you're fine. And uh, anyway, so I came home and I thought, well, this the lemon and the and the ketchup were were actually uh, about a month before this story. Oh, I digress. So that 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 was but but another huge blessing. Like that was, I came home and decided I was gonna. I knew I was leaving in four days to speak in another church, so I'd get food then. And so I decided I was going to fast for four days because that way I wouldn't be sad about not having food. And when I got to this new church, I would get fed again. Mm -hmm. I didn't tell any of my friends or anything. Like I was like, no, you know, God provides and I'm not telling anybody the Mm -hmm. truth about what's in my fridge. So the first day that I was home, my my friend Jenny had said, hey, do you want to go to the movies? We're going to whatever. I had no money at all. Then the next day, she's like, do you need to borrow my car to go to the laundromat? Because I usually, when I would home, be home, I'd borrow her car for a day and go and do my laundry. Well, I had no money to do laundry. And so I was like, oh, yeah, no, I mean, my clothes are pretty clean, you know, like just kind of. And she was like, huh? And then she asked me if I wanted to do something that evening. And I was like, no, I think I'm just going to stay home. And she had a key to my house. And she, so anyway, so she just came over, unlocked the door, came in, opened the fridge and looked at it. And then she looked at me and she shut the door to the fridge and just stormed out of my cottage. And she was mad. I mean, right. so mad. And I was sort of not really knowing what she was that mad about. Anyway, she reappears about an hour later with all these groceries. And she was crying. I mean, she was mad and crying and passionate yeah. about the whole thing. And she was like, hey, Part of being in community and part of being family is we get to help one another and what is happening right now. And so I like burst into tears and I was like, well, you know, I was like, I paid rent, but I don't have money for food. So I just decided it's going to fast and it's okay. I fasted for longer than four days before and blah, blah, blah. And she was just basically like, that's not how being Christians living in community works. Like mm-hmm. if you have a need, then you, you know, so I learned some there about yeah. like, I was probably pride mm-hmm. and fear and shame oh, and so much shame. all those kind of things. But anyway, back I... Back to the propane story. Back to the propane story. I knew I was, you know, going to run out of propane. Anyway, I go to another church and, and uh, you know, some churches would blow your minds. They bless you really well and, uh, and other churches didn't. And mm-hmm. so it was sort of one of those situations. And I ended up having to cover the flight or part of the flight myself and ended up with nothing. And I had no propane. And I was literally like my propane is going to run out. Like I haven't filled it. So it's going to be gone in a couple of days and I'm in the winter again. I'm, I'm not going to ask anybody for help, of course. And, uh, I'm just like, I don't know. I tied. That's all I know. Anyway, I signed into my bank 
And of course, there's no money in my bank. And uh, the next morning, uh, I felt like the Lord said, just sign into your bank again, again, all online. So sign in. And it says there's $2,000 in my bank account. I mean, that for me was a huge amount of money. And mm-hmm. a protein, propane tank was $800. I was like, oh my gosh, where did this $2,000 come from? And then I'm like, no, no churches are owing me money. Like I'm up to date. I have no idea. My family doesn't have money. Like I have no idea where this money came from. I call my bank person, like the my manager person at the bank, and I was like, "Hey, I think there's a mistake. Um, I noticed there's two thousand dollars in my bank account, and I think it's been put there by mistake. And I'm worried that I'm going to spend it and then owe money." And she was like, "Oh no, it looks like it was sent directly to your name, and you know, blah blah." blah. And I was like, "No, I, nobody owes me money. Can you do some research?" So she's like, "Sure, I can find out where you know where it came from." So she calls me back a couple hours later, and she's like, "You know, it's really strange. She's like, I, I don't even have an address for the account. It just says it, and, it's, and I can't remember the exact wording, but it was something like the family of God or the church of God or something. And it was two thousand dollars. And she said, "It's direct deposit. If you spend it." You know, it's yours. Right. And I remember just being like, I can buy heat, I can pay rent, and I can buy food, and Mm -hmm. I'm okay now for like a Mm -hmm. month, you know. My question for our listeners today Mm -hmm. is what comes up as you hear us talk about, say, our childhood and our, you know, money? What comes up for you? What are you feeling when we talk about the testimonies we experienced? Where do you find your story in the midst of us telling our story? Where are you right now? Like, what is your relationship with with money, with blessing? What do you instinctively think of? What are you instantly suspicious of when you think about the church, you think about the Bible, and you think about money? Play around with those ideas, because for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be exploring some of these things. And if you would like to hear the message that I preached uh, last Sunday— you can go to youtube.com slash TV, or I'll just put a link in the show notes to That'll it. That'll be easier. You can yeah. follow along. It's going to be a four-week series um, at Grace Center. And send us your comments and your questions. Go to alanaj.com slash ask, mm-hmm. uh, and then we can sort of explore it all together. Yeah, if you've got questions about that. Yeah. Also, I'm about to launch a course all about this topic mm-hmm. in way more depth. Yes. And if you would like to explore your journey with finances, if you would like to explore what Scripture says about finances and blessings, if you would like to have a different relationship with money, then go to alanandaj.com slash more, and you can pop in your email address, and I will email you as soon as the course is ready to sign up. It's uh, There's going to be nine different lessons covering all facets of money, of blessing, of tithing, of stewardship, of partnering with the supernatural resources of heaven. And uh, I'd love you to join with me. You'll meet with me each week where you can uh, live, where you can talk about you know questions, uh, ask clarifying questions, share your story. Uh, but I'm really I'm really excited about that. I can't wait. AlanandAJ.com slash more. Yeah. Let me ask you some questions. And this week, unlike last week, I'm going to ask the question and let you answer it. Well, okay, but I just want you to know that both my nose and my lips are frozen at this point. Well, we'll see how it goes. Okay. This question is from Grace. Okay. I've got two questions. So this is question number one. Okay. Grace says, a friend of mine gave me a copy of Finding Father. That's a good friend right there. And I've been learning about and trying to practice soaking in God's presence. Mm. I have an app called Dwell that is an audio Bible with background music. Can I listen to the Bible while soaking or is it better to have music only? 
Thank you for your podcast. It's been helpful, as has the book. Sure you can, Grace. You can, I mean, if, if people listen to techno while soaking. Techno? tech That's what it's called, right? Um, Look at you. You're the <laughs> hippest 50-year-old I know. <laughs> uh, I know people that soak to all kinds of different things. And I, for sure, you could soak to the Word of God. I didn't know there was one that had uh, music behind it. Yeah. That's That's brilliant. Yeah, you can. Uh, I would say, like, I... What I choose to soak to uh, changes usually based on my mood. If I'm very like kind of distracted and like, how am I even going to like calm myself down? Then techno is not what you the usually soak to. Techno is not going to soak to. No, I'm. You're more of a dubstep I'm, person. I, it, yes, that right. The dub. I will usually listen to something like the Riveras or Laura Woodley, where they're they are praying things and they are singing things, and that mm-hmm. helps me focus on what they are praying. And singing and it helps me sort of settle if i'm already kind of in the zone i'm usually going to actually soak to stuff that doesn't have any words at all um but that makes me want to try soak into yeah the dwell app is yeah, good i had it, i had it for a year okay um this question thank you grace for your question um this question is from Alyssa. will there be a guided finding father class anytime or a book study group on it that we can pay to join. Uh, we've been talking about that, haven't we? We were talking about doing another one. Of course, as you guys know, we're in this full process uh, of, adoption. of adoption. And so like, but part of me it just struggles with scheduling anything, not knowing when life will change. And and you might be thinking, but Alan's running a course. Alan's comfortableness with first of all speaking about himself in the third person is astonishing, but also yes, apparently. my comfort <laughs> with jerry rigging a video thing so I can be live with my people no matter where I am in the world is substantially <laughs> easier for me to do and lower that doesn't intimidate me. That's not stressful. Yeah. It's kind of adventurous for me. Whereas for AJ it would be like, okay, no. Yeah, if we end up having to be, which at some point we will, in a different state, having a Zoom call from a hotel room. And Alan weren't there. I think I would just feel super stressed, super, you know, whatever. Where for Alan, he would just uh, so it sounds like make you that want work. To do one, I do. But you can't commit to doing one until we have a baby, or at least timing on on something. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, how's this for putting you on the spot? I was your thinking, hands are freezing. I, <gasps> Holy mother of pearl! Do you like have I, a soul? <laughs> I told There's you no your no way you're warm blooded. You, sh- you should feel my feet. I'm going to warm you're them on you later. A <laughs> Let me see. Do you have a forked tongue? Okay. All right. Um, you freak of nature. Keep I going. was thinking, like you know, the last time we ran Father Finding Father, which you know, this wasn't ideal that this happened, but I ended up getting mono in the middle of it. Oh yeah. And then I took over. You took over for four weeks. We we made it work. So, I mean, partially in the back of my head, I'm like, I wonder if we just pick dates and we'll, if there's a couple of weeks where it's you on the line because I'm in some other state, then great. So, I Alyssa, just don't know. I don't know. Well, I want to, though. And for people who are new to the podcast, you don't know what Finding Father is. AJ wrote a book called Finding Father. Yes. And you can do the book. But Alyssa's also talking about an online group. And here's the thing. You could right now go and do an online 
study. AJ teaches. We pre-recorded AJ teaching every chapter of the book. So you could buy the book. You could buy the video course and work through it yourself. But what Alyssa is asking about is we have in the past done like a group where everybody goes through at the same time and AJ will get on in addition to the pre-recorded videos meet with you each Saturday. Yeah, uh, And the last one was so fun. We had like 70 people and it was just so fun. So do I want to? Desperately want to. Probably more Alan and I figuring out uh, when we could make it work and mm-hmm. as you know if we're comfortable with the switch in switch out nature of what our lives might be like yeah uh to pull that off soon but, but um aj uh you've already told people where they can ask questions yes alanaj.com slash ask yes where would people get show notes for this week's episode you would go to alanaj.com slash 269 and a huge thank you to the members of our show that make all of this possible. Mm. And to our members, I want to say, because of your generous support, we're in the process of adding a third camera. Yes. We don't actually have the camera yet, but the lens arrived today. Yes, we've we got the lens. the lens. <laughs> and we're looking, I'm keeping my eye out for the camera body. Mm-hmm. Our members are beautiful, sophisticated. Handsome. Intelligent. Incredibly anointed. <laughs> people with exceptional taste. Yes. <laughs> who support the show. With monetary gifts from as little as a dollar an episode, you can support the show. And by doing so, you also get video versions of the podcast. Yes. You get discounts on any of our products, like the books and the courses that we've been talking about. You also get a priority Q&A. If you've got a burning question, we jump it to the top of the list. And you can also reach out to us in our little membership forum that we have. To become a member, to get all those benefits and support the show, go to alanandaj.com slash join. All right. We will see you next week to talk more about blessings and finances. Bye-bye. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God the things we deal with every day. From Franklin, Tennessee, they are just like you and me. Oh, yeah. Keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses, sharing their life experiences. Oh, yeah. Keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses. They talk about faith in God and everything under the sun. If you are a human being, there's something here for everyone.